Right, I've been looking at Colossians. I started last week doing the first one. And um, if you've been in this church for a while recently, you'll know that we are focusing intentionally, unashamedly, on Jesus Christ, who is the King. And we worship Him and Him alone. And our worship times are absolutely devoted to Him. For He has done everything to save us from all kinds of things, including ourselves. Because we sabotage our lives quite often, don't we? But I, started, I shared last week on what is the gospel. And we looked at Colossians chapter 1 in the first few verses. And you could have walked away from that and still, like a friend of mine said to me kind of during the week, he said, so, so Greg, what is the gospel? Because <laughs> I said, for some people we think it's those, that little track that we once saw with three points on that you share with somebody, and if they say yeah, that's the gospel, those three points. What is the gospel? In essence, the gospel is, because the, the very word gospel means good news. That's what it means, good news. So really what it is is God's good news to the world in Jesus. That's the gospel. It's God's good news to mankind in Jesus Christ who manifested that good news, who lived it out, who fleshed it out, and who did all that it took to completely redeem humanity from everything that we got ourselves into. And I say that we got ourselves into. Paul summarizes the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15. He just says, let me just put it in a little nutshell for you if you are confused. This is what he says. Now, I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel, the good news of Christ that I preached to you, which you received, comma, in which you stand, comma, and by which you are being saved. Wow. It is not just your entry point into eternal life. It's not just the confession of your faith when you heard that Jesus died for your sins. Okay, I received the gospel, now I'm in. What's next? The gospel is everything for us for all of time. It is where we entered into salvation. For me, that's like a long time ago. Like over 40 years ago, just over 40 years ago. It was, the, it, was my, it was my entrance into. It is where I have stood every day and where I stand today. It is my present. And it is my future. It is that by which I am continually being saved. Now, that's, this does not mean that, I'm not, that, if, that I still need to be saved because I'm not saved. What it means is this. What did Paul say in Romans? For the, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation for him who believes. I'm saved because of my confession in Christ from the penalty and power of everything I've ever done wrong. I've been washed clean. I've been set free. But guess what? I still need salvation because I may face a challenge today that requires God's intervention and I need the gospel, which is the power of God for my salvation for whatever challenge that is. I'm still tempted. Don't know about you, 
but I am. I'm tempted to just go my own way, just to go, just, that's too hard, Jesus. Let me just rather do this. I'm still tempted. And in that moment of temptation, I need the gospel. It's the power of God for my salvation through that temptation. And I will need it always. It's my past, it's my present, and my future in Christ. It is not something that you've done, and now we progress to the next. Just the gospel. Just the gospel. I need it every day. I need it today, and I need it tomorrow. And therefore, I need to understand what it is. And I've got to understand what it opens up to me, what it releases to me, so that I can live a life that glorifies God. He says, if you, listen to this, if you hold fast to the word, and earlier on in Colossians, he says, when I preach the word of truth to you, the gospel. If you hold fast to the gospel. Here's a question. What's your relationship like with the gospel, the good news of Jesus? If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. In other words, I'm saying this, if you let go of the gospel, if you walk away from the gospel, if you don't have a relationship with the good news of God in Christ, we can believe in vain. Because then we're basing everything upon something else other than the gospel. And I want to tell you what, people get the gospel confused. I listened to a man yesterday. It actually, it actually weighed heavily on my heart. I was listening to a podcast of, a, of an evangelical, let's call them a celebrity, because they became so famous. Don't let people make you famous. They'll try, but don't let them. They tried to make Jesus famous, and he said, no, 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 don't tell anybody. But we, as mankind, oh, we love Gee, they, they need me. They like me. So this poor guy wrote a book that sold over a million copies, and he was only about 20 years old. I listened to him in an interview yesterday. He doesn't know what he believes anymore. The interviewer asked him a question. Do you not think it's got something to do with your understanding of the gospel and law, effort, performance? To which he said, yes, maybe. And then when, as I listened to him explain it, I realized he doesn't understand the gospel. He's living with this expectation that I've got to do all these things in order to please God and please people. And the weight is too heavy for me and I've lost my way. That's what I heard in the interview. There are millions of Christians who still live with this performance understanding that I've got to do this and then I will be okay. That's not the gospel. The gospel is the power of God to salvation, not what you can do. So he goes on to say, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Now remember, he's explaining the gospel. That Christ died for our sins. That's the, the foundation. Christ has died for your sins. No matter what you've done, he's died for it. He's, I've, I've heard of some horrific things happen to people that I love. Murder, rape, sexual abuse when you're a, a child. I, I've heard of people I really love. Tell me these stories. Christ has died even for those people 
who perpetrated that evil. That's the gospel. They can be saved because of Jesus. How beautiful is God? He doesn't want to hold people's sins against them. He doesn't want to treat us like we deserve. He says, I've made a way to treat you better than you've ever deserved through the gospel. He says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. When it says the scriptures there, it's talking about according to the, the, the prophets and the law, the scriptures. He says that he was buried. He died. They buried him. Proven. And that he was raised on the third day. What does that mean? It means he's alive. The gospel proclaims that Jesus is alive. That's the gospel. He is the living Christ today, as alive as he was when he walked to earth. He is alive with me, in me, by faith. He is alive interceding for you, by faith. He is alive, having paid the price, having taken the seat of authority. He is alive, and He is still working in us and through us, healing still, delivering still, bringing mercy and grace to people still. The gospel says He is the living one. Paul goes on to say, he was on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and then I just paraphrased. And he appeared to the twelve, and he appeared to the five hundred, and he appeared even to me. Paul says, as one untimely born. I mean, I wasn't even alive when he was there. I mean, I wasn't there. And yet, all these years later, he appeared to me on the road to Damascus. He is the living Christ. Just a little testimony. Last week, in our ministry time, a lady was standing here praying, and someone came up to her for healing. And she thought, oh God, can't somebody else pray for them for healing? Because I don't really see a lot of people healed through me. That's what she thought. Why? Because that's how we think. Let's be honest. Let's not pretend we're super spiritual people. And she had these thoughts as this person comes up and she says, I straight away looked to see who I could divert them to. Someone else in the queue, please take them. And she looked around and everybody was busy praying for people. She thought, oh no, God. So they said, I'm suffering with this sore shoulder. So she prayed. She thought, God, I don't even have the gift of healing really. She's being, she's being real. But she forgot one thing. It's not up to her. If you believe the living Christ is still the healer. So she prays and she finishes. She says, okay. And the person walked off. She thought, oh, there was another one. And then she carried on praying for people. And then about 10 minutes later, she saw that lady at the back and the lady went like this. My shoulder's healed, bah. And she walked out the door. And it's just an awareness. It's not you. It's the living Christ in you. That's the gospel. He's the living one. Let me summarize the gospel for us. Overall, the big picture, the big meta-narrative. God, in His goodness, makes man to enjoy life on planet earth and enjoy God. For nothing other, nothing other than that, to enjoy God and enjoy life on this beautiful planet earth that He makes. But, we rebel. We don't trust God. We choose our own way. And when we rebel, sin enters this heart like a virus. And like a virus, it's contagious. And from that moment on, every human ever born has this virus, has this sinful nature. And if you want to argue with me, 
and use all kinds of philosophy. I'm going to say, forget your philosophy and look at the facts. You do not have to teach a child how to throw a tantrum or a hissy fit when they don't get their own way. Don't have to teach them. They, it's just in them. You don't have to teach a child how to lie when they're in trouble. It's in them. And when sin entered the heart of man, death came because God had said, if you rebel against me, this is what will happen. And the consequence was sin and death. And so death entered into the reality. And every man and woman born thereafter has a sinful nature. And no matter how much we sin, God still, He never gave up on us. Never. And He continued to send people and raise people from Abraham and Moses and David. And you can go through all the prophets. And He continued to woo His people and remind them that He loves them and draw them. Until the time came when He said, now I will, I will do the perfect and complete work that will change everything. And He sends His one and only Son, the greatest gift He could ever give this world. But this Jesus, he's not born with that virus. He's born of a virgin. He's born of the Spirit of God. So he doesn't carry that sinful nature. And he's able to live the most beautiful life, surrendering to God's will on earth, only doing what he sees God do. And he's able to live and master life. The only one who ever mastered life in the history of the world is Jesus. And that life is beautiful. It's full of mercy. It's full of grace. It's full of power and authority and truth and justice. And he lives this amazing life by the Spirit of God. And then he goes to a cross. And God didn't send Jesus in the flesh so that God could punish him for our sins. God sent Jesus in the flesh because he wanted to show the co-suffering love that God has with us to understand us and to say, I will be just like you and yet I will die for you and I will make something so secure and irrevocable that nothing can ever change it. My love for you is perfect. And he dies on a cross willingly. He says, I willingly lay, up my life, lay down my life. And in that cross, the price for sin is paid, the breaking of the power of sin, the breaking of the penalty of sin over us, and the conquering, the Christus victor model, the conquering of Satan and the principalities and the powers, and a justice is initiated that will be completed when he returns. And now, for anyone who says, I believe your sins are forgiven, for anyone including that thief on the cross. He didn't even say, forgive me. He just said, hey, Jesus, you're all right. Hey, you other, shut up. He's, he's good. All he had to do, that's all he had to do. Just a little turning in his heart, saved. That's how good God is. Just to say to Jesus, Jesus, you're okay. Jesus, you're good. And you're washed and you're made clean and you're given righteousness as a gift. And you're accepted in the beloved. You're declared a son and a daughter, even though you didn't deserve it. And you are raised up with Christ and seated with him at the right hand of the Father in the spiritual realm, in the, in the heavenly realm. That's where you see that inside. It's like, I am now 
in God. And my life is hidden with God in Christ. And when he died on that cross, our sins died with him. And when he was buried, our, that, old, that old nature that was buried with him. And when he was raised to new life, we are raised to new life with him as new creations. You are so loved in the gospel. And then he said, and I will return. And when I come back, I will make, I will catch all those who are dead, I'll make them alive again. And all of you are alive. And I will give you new bodies, new bodies, glorified bodies. And the fullness of the adoption of your sonship and daughtership will only happen then when you have a glorified body and I will recreate the heavens and the earth. I will make all things new and I will bring absolute justice and you will rule and you will reign with me. And not only are you then free from the power of sin, not only then are we free from the penalty of sin, but we are free from the presence of sin. It will never ever be anywhere around us anymore. And we live with God forever and ever, ruling and reigning with Him. And that, dear friends, is the gospel. And the devil cannot change that. Nothing can change that. Philosophy of man cannot change that. It hasn't changed it for over 2,000 years. Good luck to them. They're going to keep on trying. It cannot change the gospel. What's your relationship like with the gospel? By which you were saved, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Not everything that we think is the gospel. Let me give you a quick little mention here of liberation theology. Have you heard of liberation theology? I, I might have mentioned it before. So in a world that is so gripped by racism, and for example, in South Africa, apartheid, etc., liberation theology, and there was slavery in the past, and uh, there is still slavery now, sadly, but it was far more prevalent. What happens is the, a, a people arose who, who, said, who said, when they read the scriptures, they said, this means... If Christ came to die for us, to set us free, and to liberate us, we are now anointed to continue the work of Christ to liberate people. Now, that all sounds quite good at the moment. The problem is, the gospel became for them a liberation theology. It is about me bringing liberty to you because of the oppression of bad governance, white supremacy, um, sexual tra sex trafficking and I'm going to liberate you and I'm going to take you from that so, the, so now that, all, that sounds like a good thing to do but that's just a f helping people is a fruit of the gospel the gospel is not liberation theology in itself it is much bigger I've just explained what the gospel is but the fruit of it is to help people set free. But what happened is they took it to an extreme where that became the anthem. That became the gospel they preached every Sunday. That became the gospel they sent text messages about. And everything was about, we've got to liberate each other from man's oppression. Here's the problem with that. We become the liberators, not Christ. We get the glory, not Christ. And the second thing is, if Martin is a slave to somebody... And I physically come in and I speak and I, I, I come against that oppressor and I liberate Martin, literally. And, they, and it was announced, you can use violence to liberate people from oppression. So I use violence or whatever. I set Martin free. I take Martin out of the, 
being a captive in this home where he was a slave, and I bring him into my home. Say, Martin, you're free. Martin, you're free. What the problem with that is? Martin's free in that the chains of his oppressor have fallen off, but the chains of his heart are still there. He is still bitter, bruised, broken, angry, resentful, and I can do nothing about that. Christ Jesus is the hope of the world. The gospel is about Jesus Christ liberating people. Yes, he may use me, but I point them to Christ. And I say, Christ wants your heart free. Only Christ can set the heart free. That's where the truth is. So now, Colossians 1 verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Remember I spoke last week that this was a young church, a new church, uh, only probably three home groups really. They're facing opposition. I, I painted that picture last week. If you didn't hear it, you can go back and listen to it about all the, the context of the day. But he's saying, we heard about you, so I'm praying for you. I'm committed to you. And I'm asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Here's the main point here. It is the gospel of God, the good news of God, that gives you and I any chance of walking in a way worthy of the Lord. It's only the gospel. It's only the goodness of God and the grace of God in Christ that opens up to us an ability to receive His spiritual wisdom and understanding to choose well and not choose badly so that I walk in a way worthy of the Lord. It's through the gospel I receive that wisdom and that knowledge. I don't get it anywhere else. And friends, you need spiritual wisdom and understanding. Spiritual wisdom and understanding is not for reading the Bible only. It is for when you face that challenge at work. It is for when you get that opportunity to maybe do this. Stop. Holy Spirit, I need your wisdom. I need your knowledge so that I can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Because the fruit of the gospel, the authentic fruit of the gospel is a life that's walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. A life that's choosing light, that's choosing peace, that's choosing joy, that's not in confusion and rebellion and angry. It's fruit of the gospel, friends, but it's the gospel that opens up the spiritual wisdom and understanding. We've got to understand one thing. Brian McLaren said this, we are called to a lifelong experiential learning discipleship. We are called to a lifelong, experiential, learning discipleship. If we think that just, I was, I gave my life to Christ, I gave my heart to Christ, my sins are forgiven, I've been declared righteous, I am holy, I am beloved, and I have everything. In the gospel, you have everything you need for life and godliness. But I stand in the gospel today, like Paul said, and I'm saved by it tomorrow. I'm called to a lifelong, experiential, learning discipleship if I want to be transformed. So look at the next part. 
to live a life, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Can you see there is a growth that Paul's talking about here? This is not a once-off thing. This is that you, as you understand the gospel, are going to be receiving spiritual wisdom and understanding. You're going to make some amazing choices now, and you're going to start to live a life worthy of the Lord, and you're going to start to bear fruit. You're going to live a life fully pleasing to God, so the fruit's going to come. Fruit's not there always. Fruit's going to come, and you're going to increase in your knowledge of God. You're going to know God more. You're going to know the ways of God more. You're going to know the kingdom of God more. You're going to discern more quickly. That's the kingdom. That's not that relationship. That's not the kingdom. I better get out of that relationship. It's not good for me. You're going to start to discern and live a life fully pleasing to the Lord. Because not every decision that we make is fully pleasing to the Lord. Even though I'm a beloved son, not every decision I make is fully pleasing to the Lord. He still loves me when I make a silly decision, but it's not, I want to live a life fully pleasing. So I go, God, I need the gospel to help me receive your spiritual wisdom and understanding so that I can live a life fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work, fully pleasing to you, God, increasing in your knowledge. That's what I want. So I'm, a, I'm in a lifelong, experiential, learning discipleship with Jesus. Today he's my teacher. Tomorrow I'm still learning. I personally think that people who, these great leaders, great church leaders who, who messed up and are no longer operating, I think somewhere you stop being, you stop this learning, experiential discipleship. The fruit comes from the seed of the gospel, not your good efforts. I've tried to live better. I've tried to live a good life. I can't. I can't. But the gospel gives me everything I need for life. Being strengthened with all, sorry, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. This is what he's writing to this young church, saying, hey guys, let me tell you what, you may feel weak and you may be weak, but I'm telling you, you, through the gospel, can be strengthened with all power. Who here sometimes feels weak? Please, put up your hand. Otherwise, you're a liar. God says, in my gospel, in my Christ, in my grace, you, who are weak, can receive like power. So you suddenly are strong. Because it depends upon my gospel glorious power in Christ. That power. So that what? Not so that you can make a million bucks or beat the All Blacks. Or so that you can have all patience and endurance with joy. Colossian Church, Colossian Church, you're young and it's, it's hard out there. And the people around you are worshiping other gods. A lot of paganism going on. And, they, and they're not going to be your friends always. And they're going to assault you like they do me. They threw me in prison. But you can receive all power not to be afraid. All power not to be weak. So that you can have endurance and patience with joy. You're the Christian who says, 
come to Jesus, the preacher who says, come to Jesus and it's all going to be easy. He's a liar. God doesn't make our, love, our, our lives easy because, because he doesn't choose everything for us. He doesn't choose what that person next door decides to do. That's what that person chose to do, which can really impact your life. He doesn't choose for your boss. Your boss chooses, and that can really impact your life. The driver on the road who chooses to do something stupid, God didn't do that. That man chose that, or that woman chose that. It can mess up your life. Life is hard. Jesus said, life is hard. But don't worry, I've overcome the world. In me, in the gospel, there is a power for all endurance and patience with joy. You know what that tells me? Christian, you never have to give up if you understand the gospel. You never have to give up if you understand the gospel. Greg, you never have to give up if you understand the gospel. Because there is a power to endure with patience and with joy. Not like this, like, uh, uh. God spoke to me this year when I was feeling life was getting a bit hard for me. It's a bit too hard for me, Jesus. Where's the eject button? I just need to get out of here. I said, God, will I feel your grace? I need to know for the journey ahead, will I feel your grace? And he said to me, if it's ease you want, no. If it's victory you want, yes. That's the power of the gospel. And I understood. I'm not looking for ease. I'm looking for power to endure and patience with joy for conquering. That's the gospel. Christian, you never have to give up if you understand the gospel. And then lastly, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Let's do the second one too. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Imagine you're a young believer and you hear this. Listen to the gospel. We give thanks it's a life of thankfulness to God because he's done everything. Who God the Father has qualified you. He said, you're good enough. I've chosen you. You're good enough. I've chosen you. You're good enough. He's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He's qualified you to participate in all the riches of what it means to be a child of God. Participate in the divine nature. Taste of the powers of the coming age. Have, have peace beyond all human understanding. All the good things. He's qualified you through the gospel to share in it. It's yours. You're waiting for nothing but faith to go, God, this is mine in the gospel. I understand the gospel. In the light. In the light. Listen to this. In the light. The, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of light. You know, you know what happens in light? You can see. Sadly, I'm at that age where I opened up like, like, a, like, well, I suppose like a newspaper or something. And if I'm inside and it's a bit dark, it's like, nah, I can't see. 
So then I walk outside into the sunlight and I can read. It's quite amazing. I didn't put glasses on. I just got a bit more light. It's a sign of old age, apparently. What I'm saying is in the light, you see. Christians, I want to say the kingdom of God is a kingdom of light. So now, a little bit of a challenge. Challenge to Greg as well. Let everything be in the light. That's what it means to be a child of God. Because with him, there's no fear. But why is there sometimes fear here? I don't want them to know who I'm texting. I don't want them to know what I spent that money on. I don't want them to know what's on my phone. I don't want them to know my website history. I, I don't want them to know. That, mean, that means darkness. That's, what, that's simply what that means. That means you're willing to have some parts of your life in darkness. God says, the gospel says, come. It's the kingdom of light. He says, bring. Have a non-judgmental self-awareness. And I want to close with this. Where you say, I want every part of my life, God, to be impacted by the gospel. I want your light to shine. So I'm going to bring you every part of my life. Because the power of the gospel for salvation is not just for me to become a Christian. It's for me to live as a child of God. I want the gospel in every area of my life. Shine, Jesus, shine. I'm inviting you in. Shine. I bring this to you, Jesus. This thing needs the gospel. This area needs the gospel. I need the gospel, the good news of God in Christ, because I was born again for freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Let's stand.